Hi, this is Kim Walker-Smith, and you're listening to the Beyond the Music podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. The podcast title is called Overflow Beyond the Music. I am your host, Josh McCabe. Thanks so much for having a listen to this podcast here in season two I'm so excited about the guest that we have today because I, I've wanted to just have a conversation with her for a long time. We've we've met at a conference here or there, but never really time to you know have a extended conversation like we got to have. And it was one of the easiest conversations I've ever had on this podcast, and we could have talked for hours. In fact, we stay on the line talking for about half an hour about homeschooling right after the interview. But uh, I guess for your sake, I cut that out of this podcast. So it's not there. And if you're wondering who the guest is today, our guest is Kim Walker-Smith of Jesus Culture. She is from Sacramento, California, is her home right now, and you would know her voice the minute that you hear it and she's just an incredibly gifted singer incredibly gifted writer worship leader and you're gonna love today's episode with her on it now as i mentioned my name is josh mccabe i'm the host of this podcast but i also have a band called caves and one of the great things about running and producing your own podcast is that you get to do almost almost whatever you want. There's probably a few things I can't do on this podcast and get away with it, but I can do almost anything that I want to on this podcast. And uh, with my band Caves and, and my music project Caves, which is something I started a few years ago and have been doing for the last three years and really just the last year and a half full time now, we recently have been working on, and when I say we, I mean, it's kind of complicated because Caves is really my project. It's it's a name that I use to describe um, a journey and sort of a vision of a project, even though I'm kind of the only consistent member of the quote-unquote band. I've got some great friends who are part of it with me and who play on stuff and travel with me, and uh, and huge shout-out to them. My drummer, Dan Perna, is getting married this summer. My buddy Brandon Vandenduel, uh, he got married last summer. And my bro Nathan Hamilton um, just uh, secured a job teaching. So, um, man, those guys are busy. They're legends. They're awesome. So huge shout-out to them for everything that they've done for this project. But we recently uh, released a new song, and it's called Thank You for the Cross. And I'm really, really excited about it because we've started to use some different sounds and different textures and maybe it's a little bit of the Nashville and me coming out but I would love for you to hear a little bit of it and so this is um, my newest song Thank You for the Cross by Caves so check out a little bit of it here Hope you enjoyed that. We will make sure to post a link for that in the show notes. And if you want to follow uh, my band on Instagram and my music project and my journey, you can follow me at Caves Music. That's at Caves Music on Instagram. But that is more than enough for me because this interview uh, was a bit of a long one. And uh, it was great because the conversation was just so good. I didn't want to end it. So let's get right into it. This is my conversation with Kim Walker Smith 
here on Overflow Beyond the Music. Here we are on Overflow Beyond the Music podcast, and I'm so excited to be connecting uh, with this worship leader, um, mom, wife, and now author. And uh, <laughs> she's coming to us from Northern California. Welcome, Kim Walker Smith, to the podcast. How are you doing, Kim? Good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so honored to have you. And, uh, and so honored to be able to have this conversation. And I understand that that we could not be in, well, maybe we could, but our climates are a little <laughs> polar opposite right now. We had to delay. <laughs> I was stuck in a snowstorm, but tell me a little bit about where you're at right now. I, I'm at home in, in Northern California, and we're we're actually getting pummeled in rain. It's been our, our thing, which, you know, Californians aren't really going to complain about that because we're pretty much always living in a drought, so right. we always need the rain. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. feel like I feel like there's a song to be found there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so specifically, what, what city are you residing in now? Uh, I am just outside of Sacramento, California. Okay. And is that yeah. and is that where uh is that where you've lived a lot of your life or is this more a recent move or yeah, tell me a little bit about the I don't know maybe the zip code journey of Kim Walker Smith. <laughs> yeah, um, I was raised in um, a really small farm town in Oregon, actually southeastern Oregon. And when I was um, eighteen, um, I moved to California. So I've been in California now for uh, about nineteen years. Wow. And um, I started in Redding, California, which is way up at the top of California. It's another small town, not as small as the one I grew up in, but it's small. And um, and then about five years ago, I moved down here to the Sacramento area with Jesus Culture, and we planted a church. And our church is in Folsom, which is like a eastern suburb of uh, Sacramento. And um, our church just celebrated four years uh, last September. Um, so we do that now. And I actually live on a um, a little farm um, yeah. in a community called Rescue, out out just way out of um, Sacramento, out of the city. Wow, so, awesome! Yeah. And what keeps you you busy uh, when you're when you're not ministering? Uh, tell me a little bit about your family. <laughs> yeah, so I have three kids. My boys are five and four, and they're only um, fourteen months apart, which is crazy. Um, but, um, and I have my little, my little girl is one and a half. Um, and so when I'm not on the road or doing ministry, um, I am just being a mom and chasing my kids around. I just started homeschool with my oldest son, um, this last September, which has been quite a journey. Um, and right now it's, it's great. Like we can do it when we're on the road and, um, it's kindergarten. So it's easy stuff and it's fun. Yeah. Um, as he gets older, I don't know if I'll be able to still do that, but, um, for now it's good. And, um, you know, my youngest, I'm, I'm changing diapers and chasing them around. And we, we have a lot of fun out here on our, our little farm with our chickens and animals and things like that. So most of my days are probably like a lot of moms, just chasing kids and making dinner and things like that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, I, I'll definitely have to 
get some resources from you after because we just started homeschooling our kids as well. Uh, moving oh, from yeah. yeah, moving from Canada to Nashville, Tennessee was mm-hmm. already kind of a big step. Moving to another country where even just little things like it's a different national anthem. Yeah. And little things like that that we're just, we felt was going to be really overwhelming for our kids. So we just decided that, hey, let's get a little bit of family normalcy and we'll we'll explore that later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been um, been a lot of fun to try and figure that out, actually. I've, I've kind of enjoyed the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a challenge, but probably the rewards are well worth the work. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So you're you're getting to watch your kids grow up right before your eyes, and that what a what a blessing that is to be able to spend so much time around them. But but tell me a little bit about uh, you growing up. You told me where you grew up, but but what was your journey like? Where you started realizing that you had uh, this this voice, this this ability to sing, this ability to lead people in worship. When mm-hmm. when was that moment for you? Uh. Well, the first time I I got put on a stage to sing, I was three years old, and um, my grandparents were pastors at a church, and my mom put me on the stage, and I sang Jesus Loves Me, and um, I did my first musical when I was four, which is crazy, but um, I grew up in a musical family, and everyone sang, played instruments, things like that. It was very common and normal for us to sing and and enjoy music, make music. And I did not actually think that my being able to sing was anything special. It was just kind yeah. of a thing that I did. But um, my parents divorced when I was four years old. And I had three stepfathers after that. And my first two stepfathers were really abusive. And um, I... I had a lot. I had a lot going on in my my childhood. Um, when I was with when I was with my grandparents, um, which I, I lived with them off and on, little little chunks of time here and there. Um, they they took us to church, and I I had this understanding that in my little kid brain, church was something that you know good people went to from time to time, and God in my head was like some old guy that lived in the sky and sometimes lived in a church and was maybe a little cranky. <laughs> like this is what I <laughs> thought of God in my head. Um, Jesus was the man on Easter who the Roman guards were beating and it would really upset me. Every Easter, my grandparents' church would do a musical and um, obviously the the Easter story. And I would get so upset and ask my grandparents, what are they doing to that man? And yeah. um, that was my understanding of, of Jesus. Um, and I didn't know the Holy Spirit. Um, and so as a child, because of the abuse, because of the things that I was dealing with and going through, I felt like I grew up at a really young age. I don't really have these memories of like a carefree childhood where it was just happy and you know yeah. I don't know what you know what kids do just playing with toys or family vacations or whatever it is um I I took on this kind of sense of responsibility and I I thought that it was my job to protect my mom and to protect my siblings and um I had a lot of worries I worried about um 
when what what we would have to eat and if we would have food to eat. I worried about how would we pay bills. I I worried about a lot of things that children should not be worrying about. Yeah. And um when I was 11 years old, my mom married my third stepdad. Well, 12, about yeah, 12 years old. My mom married my third stepdad. And he was a, a really solid Christian who when he came into our life, everything really started changing. Like church became a regular thing, but also a much bigger thing. Like not just a thing you do on Sunday mornings, but church was suddenly like a real part of our lives. And um, he, I, I remember my mom even one one Sunday morning, I was already irritated that we had to get up to go to church but my mom changed the radio station in the car and we always listened to pop music you know like the the hits whatever and suddenly she changed it to christian radio and i was like what is this what are we listening to (laughs) and my mom said we're gonna listen to this music from now on and every everything just started changing and um i i just could not accept that change um I I thought he's going to be like, my stepdad's going to be like all the others and he's going to hurt us. He's going to leave us. Um, We start going to church and suddenly I'm finding out how, how big God is. And I'm just feeling angry now. Like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that you're, you're God, you're big, you're powerful, but yet you didn't stop these things from happening to me. And, and my, my mom and my stepdad, I, I think that they could see, the pain that I was in, and I think they really wanted to help me, um, but but they weren't really sure how to help me. And so they would kind of say, Kim, just forget about the past. Like, it's gone. It's done. It's over with. Like, just move on. Just let it go. And I, that just invoked so much rage inside of me because mm-hmm. I felt like, you, you, mom, you married a new man, and that's it. Like, the past is behind you. You've got a new man now. Everything's different. But for me, I felt like I was still stuck back in the past somewhere, still stuck back in this life, These this pain that was holding on to me. And I remember at one point my mom said, Kim, it's not your job to take care of me anymore. It's George's job. That's my stepdad. And mm-hmm. um, she said, you don't have to do that. Just be a kid. And I just lost my ever loving mind when my mom said that because i thought that you're the one job that i felt was my job is suddenly not my job anymore and you're telling me to just be a kid and i don't know how to do that so wow. i that's when i really started spiraling and um really a lot of self-hatred just so much anger so much pain and um my senior year i try to uh, kill myself and it didn't work. And when I woke up, I just realized, I just had this thought, God must really be real. And I think he really loves me. And I just started sobbing and I just said, okay, I will give you my life. I will follow you, but you have to set me free. You have to Mm. heal me. You, I have to get free from all of this pain and this anger. And that that began my journey of Christianity. That began my journey um, as a senior in high school um, to 
finding God and building relationship with him. And um, it was quite the journey after that through a lot of like inner healing and just getting set free and really kind of rewired from the inside out. Um, But still in that whole process, as far as, you know, singing, music, freshman year of high school, I got kicked out of choir and was Mm. never allowed back in. So I wasn't doing anything really musical in high school. Um, My first year of college, um, I'm at a Christian college. I'm trying to make friends and I see they're having auditions for the worship team. So I just think I'm going to audition for the worship team because I know how to sing and I'd like to make friends. I audition as a background singer and I don't make the team. So anytime that I was really like trying to do something with music or singing, it it wasn't actually successful. And um, it wasn't until in just my pursuit of God and my following him that he just kind of led me into worship and singing and uh, just opened doors for me in the right time. And I started just singing background vocals and then I slowly would start leading like one song here or there. And um, the Lord just in his perfect time kind of brought me into worship leading. And I always tell everyone, this is not something that I dreamt of doing or thought I would be doing with my life. Yeah. It's just something that in in following him that he led me into. Um, and I actually, I was working as a banker when we were like three albums in with wow. Jesus Culture. <laughs> and Banning, Banning's like, Kim, Kim, please, can you leave banking and can you step into ministry full time. And it was a really big deal to me. Like I I had to like really pray and kind of go, okay, God, I don't really see how singing is going to pay my bills, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you are my provider, not a job or anything else. And I took the leap out there into full-time ministry. Well, it's it's funny because, and I I can say it's from my my own experience and I'm I'm really – hoping that maybe this encourages some listeners out there, but it always seems to be that that God does not typically fling wide uh, a new door, uh, mm-hmm. such as full-time ministry, until we're willing to close the other one. It's like right. this thing where we always sit and we're going, okay, well, God, well, when you can prove to me that it makes sense, then then I'll do it. When everything's lined up and the papers are signed or, or whatever it yeah. is, then I'll do it, but but often the Lord says, I just need, I just need you to say yes to this and then, and then I'll show you the rest of the way. Yeah. Just stepping out, taking that uh, leap of faith and trusting that he's going to meet us there. So when you stepped away from, from being a banker, what, what did uh quote unquote full-time ministry look like for you? <laughs> um, it looks like, um, pastoring doing I was helping with the uh the worship team as worship pastor it looked like um traveling with Jesus culture and doing um conferences doing Jesus culture conferences around the world um it looked like um just a lot of time spent working on you know growing my relationship with God uh leading worship for like a ton of different things in the church and outside of the church. 
um, meeting with worship teams and, and band and, and practicing and working through songs and different things like that. And then there were the, the random invites that were coming through, you know, someone came to a conference and saw me lead worship and then would call and invite me to come and do something at their church. And, um, that's when things just started growing and God started taking me, out into different places. Yeah. So I remember the day I was at a young adults ministry and I was maybe, oh, maybe 20. And um, I was really thrown off because the pastor did not want us to lead this song of worship, but he wanted to show a video and he wanted everyone <laughs> to worship with this, this video that he found on YouTube. And uh, it was you singing how he loves. Um <laughs> With, with Jesus culture, and I remember going, yeah, uh, okay, I can't sing it that good. Um, or, or remember <laughs> just going, like, this was such, such a powerful moment, this video, and it was it was something that I, I feel, I don't know, virals feel so weird when we're talking about ministry and, and stuff, but it was something that really touched a lot of corners of the earth. Yeah. What, what hap- happened there when... <laughs> What was that process like and and sort of how did that uh, change the ministry of yourself and Jesus culture? Yeah. Um, so my friend John Mark McMillan wrote that song and I had been living out in North Carolina um, where he was and um, I was at a church and I heard him lead that song. I think he was actually in the process of making his own recording of it at the time. But um, I heard him lead it in a worship set. And I was so moved by the song, by the lyrics. But also I, I kind of had my own encounter with God and his love in that song. And when I came back home to Reading um, and we were going to rec- uh, record our next Jesus Culture album, I took the song to my team and I, I really wanted to, to do this song. And everyone kind of thought, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not your typical worship song it was super wordy and then of course there was the one line that a lot of people got offended at which was the sloppy wet kiss and everything (laughs) else you know and um so I just I kind of pushed through and I said no I really really feel like we're supposed to do this song and um the the night came and we're we're just recording everything live you know and I'm leading worship that night we get to that song and all of a sudden there was just a tangible presence in the room and it it just felt like in the room while we're worshiping it felt like Jesus himself just walked in the room and started hugging his children and loving on his children and and I, I felt it so strong that I I didn't want anyone to miss out on what was happening and I almost got into this kind of a panic like I do not want anyone to miss this and so in the middle of the song you know for anyone who's seen or heard the the video or the recording I I start talking yeah. and I just start talking about what's happening in the room and the importance of encountering the love of God and as it's happening I feel like I sound like an idiot in my head I'm thinking <laughs> I am like blubbering all of my words I'm not making any sense yeah. I don't know if this is coming across I might be ruining the moment you know I just 
my heart was so like, don't miss what's happening right now. Jump in this. But I was just struggling to communicate. And um, yeah, like you're like you're talking faster than your brain can process what you're saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, when it was all said and done, uh, I walk off stage and I just kind of burst into tears as I realize, oh, yeah. And we recorded all of this. Great. Like this is I just felt like I ruined the whole thing. <laughs> and so I, I go to Banning and um, I said, Banning, please, you've got to edit that part out of the song or just don't even put the song on the record. And he's like, what are you talking about? That was the most powerful point of the whole night. Like, that was amazing. I was like, are you kidding me? I, I just made a fool of myself up there mm-hmm. on the stage and I don't want that on the recording. Long story short, we're arguing about this for months and I'm begging him not to put it on the recording and he doesn't listen to me and he does. So the day that the album comes out and that time we were doing a um, a DVD as well, but it comes out and I just want to run and hide. Like I just feel <laughs> so embarrassed and like now it's, you know, going everywhere. And then like my, my little brother who's probably like junior high at the time um he calls me and he's like sissy you're on youtube and i don't even know what youtube is yeah to be honest um now granted i might sound super old right now but i did not uh grow up with computers we didn't have computers in our home social media was not a thing um so uh, nor nor i didn't even have a cell phone until i was like (laughs) Mid twenties, yeah. um, and it was anyway, like a, a flip phone, probably. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so he's like telling me what YouTube is and showing me how to get to it, and I pull up this uh, the video of how he loves a kid had put the video up there, and I just want to die. I am so embarrassed, and you know, for for my generation, if you end up on the internet, it's it's a bad thing. Like it's yeah. it's. <laughs> like embarrassing or like really bad it's not like a cool thing to put yourself on the internet Mm -hmm. and so all i just think is like now now every everyone's just i'm gonna be like the laughing stock of the world you know and i'm like what is this number right here my brother's like that's how many people have watched this and at this time it'd been up like i don't know a few days, not very long, but it was like 22,000 views already. And I just felt like I was going to throw up and I call Banning and I'm freaking out and, you know, yeah, saying get the lawyers call- on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, we got to call our lawyer. And he's like, no, this is amazing. And I was like, what is wrong with you? And I just feel like I am living in some sort of alternate universe right now. And then the craziest thing happens where, all of a sudden, all these, you know, emails and messages are, are coming in. People are watching this and they are experiencing that same moment that happened in the room. It was like that moment in worship with God was not confined to that moment in time and that night. It's like it truly was captured in that recording and all of a sudden people are watching it and they're having encounters with God and with his love just like in that room that night and still to this day I will get emails or messages on social media of people just finding that video and talking about 
their own encounter they're having with God and his love. Wow. And it's so in incredible and it's humbling to me yeah. that God would use something that's really embarrassing to me. Even it still is embarrassing to me. Like I don't, I don't want to watch it yeah. and <laughs> I don't, I really hate when people are like, oh, I have it memorized. Do you want to see? Oh. And they play it and they're trying to like, they're imitating every word. And I'm like, please stop, please, please stop. It's just super embarrassing. But I just, I kind of feel like, well, feels a little bit like my life. Like, okay, God, well, you're going to take the ugly and the embarrassing and the hard and make yeah. something really incredible out of it to bring glory to you. So I guess I'll be okay with that. Well, that's, I mean, that's an incredible story. And I think it's, it's important for people to know because I think the social media syndrome that we can see with a lot of people who are aspiring worship leaders just mm -hmm. will look at someone like yourself or or like a Carrie Job or or someone like that or or uh you know someone like Chris and and go well you know uh what's what's the journey to get there and every time yeah. you talk to someone you realize there wasn't actually a planned journey it was probably what God did in the privacy of your room at night uh, that probably sets you up for what he was ready to do publicly. Yeah, and you totally. shared a little bit about that about that journey that God had led you on leading up to that moment. What was sort of a pivotal moment that you you felt like, wow, okay, this is this is my sweet spot. I'm starting to discover who I am as a worship leader, as a songwriter, as a pastor. Was there a moment when everything just kind of clicked and you said? Okay, I feel like I'm I found my sweet spot. Yeah, actually, um it was during the first Jesus Culture recording. Our first album is called Everything and when we were recording that, um I we weren't aspiring to anything to be honest. We weren't um trying to start a band. We had no ambitions of creating multiple albums or a record label or anything else. We were just having really powerful times of worship and we wanted to record it and capture a moment and get it into the hands of the teenagers who were coming to our conference every summer um, so that they could grow their relationship with God. It was really meant to just be a resource and a tool to help teenagers in having a lasting relationship with Jesus. Right. And um, so we're recording that and... Um, there's a moment at the end of a worship set I led where Banning came up. It was at the end, and he so he came up to kind of wrap up worship and pray. But as he's walking up onto the stage, everyone is just lost in worship. Like, if you look out, which I did, I, I looked out, and it's just every eye is closed and hands are raised and people are singing and worshiping and shouting. And it's like the music had stopped and no one really even noticed and people are just going for it. And suddenly it, it starts growing louder and louder wow. and louder to where it just turns into like this deafening roar that was literally making my ears ring. On stage, I've got um, earbuds in and I my ears are still ringing from how loud it is. And it wasn't just people yelling. It was them worshiping, praying, um, just... It was unbelievable. No one was leading it. Um, there was no music. There was no mm. instruments. Um, no one was watching anyone. It was just eyes closed, 
just total heart being poured out to Jesus so loud. And in that moment, I was so um, overwhelmed by what was happening. And I just thought, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be in a room with people worshiping Jesus. Yeah, Everyone transfixed on him and him alone. And we are encountering him like that that was a moment that I just thought I I could do this the rest of my life and be very happy that's incredible because I I love that those moments can be captured because there's mm-hmm. there's something about a moment that can't be replicated and when you try and replicate it it's never quite the same right right and um I, I wanted to ask you because uh, as we've been interviewing other uh, worship leaders about songs that that they've written that have changed the landscape of of worship music. Uh, the one that changed worship music for me when I heard it was "Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble?" That was mm-hmm. that was something mm-hmm. that absolutely just rocked me and and changed the course of my life. Was there a song for you that that really changed the course of your journey? Gosh, there's like a whole bunch that are running through my head right now. <laughs> I I think as a musician and worship leader, I I get so attached to certain songs in, in certain seasons. But um, yeah, you're right. One one that's like coming to mind, right? I mean, there's I would say there's so many delirious songs. Um, yeah. Delirious was uh, that was a big one. Um, they they had so many songs that were like really like really beautiful and modern and you know for all of us young people where we it was like good music we actually loved it um but also they could they could go really deep um the first one that's kind of popping in my head is i could sing of your love forever and yeah that was one that we we sung a lot in in the youth group uh i was when i was helping in the, the youth group and leading in there and i remember one time actually stopping for a moment to think about what I was saying. I could sing of your love forever. And I I had this really special and kind of powerful moment of realizing there there is no end to the love of God. And there there's no way that we could ever fully bottle it up, capture it, um, fully communicate it, fully explain it. Like it there's just um I'm I'm reading this uh, children's Bible to my my kids right now, and they describe God's love as like with all these words like unwavering, never ending, always find you, never giving up love. Like they put all these kind of expressions to it, and I love it. It's so beautiful. But I I, I realize that that's the truth, and I I realize I really could sing of your love forever. Like I really could worship you forever. I I could write a song about your love every day, every year. And it's, it's still, I could never tire of that. I could never like just realizing for me, how much the love of God has changed me, has set me free, has truly become my everything. And that, that felt like a significant kind of moment for me with that song and kind of with my own journey with God and also realizing like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to help people experience this love. Well, I mean, the love of God is, is something that I think we experience different ways in different seasons. And, and I think there's, there's points we 
are, are just overwhelmed with joy. And there's other times we experience the love of God um, in, in darker times. And yeah. you, you've got a book that's coming out. Uh, yeah. And uh, you talk a little bit about your journey in that. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why I really wanted to connect with you was uh, to share some of your journey that you've been on mm-hmm. recently and some of the things you've been walking through. So so why don't you walk me through that and, and walk us through what God's been doing recently and, and some of the the tougher journeys that you've been mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, so probably most recently, and I, I talk a lot about this in, in my, my book, is the... <laughs> everything kind of happened all at once. I, I found out in the same week that I found out I was pregnant, I found out Jesus culture was going to be moving. And it was really exciting, but it was a little overwhelming because I just found out I was pregnant with my first kid. And um, yeah. so there was just a big transition. And then right after my son was born, so I had a six-month-old and found out I was pregnant again. So I'm a brand new mom with a six-month-old and find out I'm pregnant again, which was just so crazy. (laughs) And we're in the middle of moving. We're trying to sell our house in Reading. It ended up flooding while we're in New Zealand. It cost like $50,000 to fix it and repair it in the middle of us trying to sell it. It took a year to to sell it and go through that whole process much longer, which caused us to be living in major transition um, down in Sacramento. We're trying to plant a church, which if, if you've ever been involved in a church plant, it's not easy. It's hard. And it's hard yeah. being a mobile church. And you don't just set up the sign Jesus culture and all of a sudden, <laughs> right. all of a sudden everything is now clicking. Right, exactly. We had a lot of infrastructure to put in place and things to kind of get ready. And so, um, and then right after my second son was born, you know, here I am now, I've got two babies, finally sold our house. Now we're trying to find a place to live um, down in the Sacramento area, planted a church. Um, And then my um, stepdad, who I I have mentioned, um, George, he passed away from um, Parkinson's disease and he'd been battling Parkinson's for 11 years and he he was really the the reason that I'm a Christian um, and just dad in my life and um, that was really devastating for all of us and in the middle of all of that I realized I had a conversation with my mom and my mom kind of saw me really spiraling and not not doing very good mentally and my mom said Kim I I think you have postpartum depression and I I laughed and I said mom I don't have that I I really thought that postpartum depression was where um you're sad you're not pregnant anymore like women just love being pregnant and they're just sad they aren't pregnant anymore and my mom kind of chuckled and said, Kim, I, that's not what it is. I think you need to go look it up. So I go upstairs and I, my mom's with the kids and I'm laying in my bed and I Google postpartum depression and everything I start reading, I, I realize I'm, this is me. And I, I come back down and then I'm sobbing. I'm realizing there's been something happening to me that I, I didn't even realize. And so it was kind of like everything just piled up and in the middle of that I've got all these big emotions like I'm a worship leader I've got to get up on stage and lead worship and I'm singing songs about how God is a healer but he didn't heal 
my dad. My dad never stopped asking for God to heal him. He never stopped believing God would heal him and and he didn't get healed. And I was mm-hmm. wrestling through this thing of do I do I really believe these things about God? And I and I felt angry at God and I I felt um I felt myself kind of going to this place where I kind of shut my heart down a little bit and I could feel Jesus like outside knocking on the door saying, Kim, let me in. And I'm thinking, I've got a big mess in here right now. And I, I can't really let you in. I I gotta, I gotta clean this up. I, and I think like shame, I, I felt ashamed for how I was feeling. I felt like I was failing because I had postpartum depression. I felt like I was a horrible person because I'm a worship leader and I'm questioning the things I'm singing about. I just felt all this wrestling inside of me. And I, and I also felt that for some reason it was my responsibility to sort it all out because I didn't want Jesus to be coming into all of this mess. And when I suddenly realized I am trying to do everything in my own strength, which is impossible, I need Jesus in this and finally kind of open those doors and let him in. And I expected Jesus to either come in and be angry at me like you're so dumb and you failed or I expected him to come in and give me like a list of, you know, here's here's our our plan of how we're going to get you out of this. Step one, step two, step three. And it wasn't any of that. He just came in and just sat in the mess with me. And all I kept feeling the Lord say to me was, Kim, bring it to me. I can handle your questions. I can handle your anger. I can handle your pain. I can handle uh, all of these things that you're feeling. And it was it was really hard to do because, you know, the, the other voice in my head was saying, um, you should be better than this. You should you should know better. You should be different than this. And to be able to just kind of go, I I'm just not okay and I am I feel weak right now and letting him be strong in my weakness and taking that weakness to him, taking that pain to him. And he just very slowly step by step helped walk me out of that that season. It was a really dark, really hard season and and life wasn't stopping you know life was still happening there was tours and there was um, recording and there was um, church and leading worship there was so many things um, happening in that time but I felt him really close to me in all of that and I felt him leading me through that guiding me walking with me in all of that and I just felt him just constantly reassuring me um there's no rush and we're we're going to get through to the other side. Well, in your in your book uh it's called Brave Surrender and I, I love the title yeah. it says let God's love rewrite your story. Was there a part in which you had to just lay everything down and say, "Lord, uh, I need to deal with this stuff and I need you to deal with it." And uh and if the casualty is no more singing or no more songwriting for a season or stepping back, you know, that kind of place where you're going, I'm willing mm-hmm. to lay it all out mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that kind of brave surrender concept for me. Yeah. So first of all, I'll say, I feel like I hit that. 
all the time. <laughs> I, I I feel like that is like my life always, like trying to surrender things and lay things down and, and kind of going, okay, I, whatever this costs me, I'm laying this down. I I call the book Brave Surrender and I talk about Brave Surrender um, in this way because it's it's really easy to surrender when you are just beat down, broken, laying on the floor, waving your white flag like I literally cannot take anymore and I'm just like laying here waving my white flag like I surrender, I'm done, whatever, whatever. But it's a different thing to surrender when you feel strong. Like I, I have this habit of being too independent and being too strong for my own good and thinking, I got this, I got this. No, no, I got this. I, I see this in my oldest son all the time. He's just like me. He's trying to do something and I see him struggling and I'll say, do you want mama to help you? And he'll go, no, 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 no. I want to do it yeah. by myself. He wants to do everything by himself. And independence can be a really great thing. But the downfall is when I, I take it on myself to think I have to be my own savior. I have to be my own redeemer. I have to fix myself. I have to save myself. I have to, or I'll, or I'll go, no, no, I got this. I can do it. I can do it on my own. And I say brave surrender because it takes a different kind of courage and bravery to surrender things to God, surrender your life to him or lay down the past or lay down whatever it is. When you don't feel, when you don't feel like it, when you don't feel beat down or broken, or when you when you feel like no, I got this, or I can do it on my own, um, or just for me, the probably one of the biggest battles of my life in regards to surrender is trusting that God will take care of me the best way. Hmm. Like I always think in my head, no, I know what's best for me. Nobody's going to take care of me like I take care of me. I I mean, I even see this in my marriage. Like, no, no, I, I will take care of me. I don't need my husband to take care of me. Or I, I just, I think it just stems from the things I walked through in my childhood and my very strong, independent personality. Um, but I, for me, it's, it requires a, a huge amount of courage and bravery to surrender, trusting that God really does know what's best for me and he will take care of me way beyond what I could actually do on my own and that I can trust him to be to be good and loving and kind and take care of me in the way that's that's best for me so that's that's what the the book is about and as far as you know the other part of your question the <laughs> surrendering I would say yes 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 over and over and over I I don't think we surrender once in our lives ever. You you know, I think that God is asking us constantly to surrender to him, to surrender different things to him, to trust him. Um I think it's part of walking with him and part of letting him lead us in our lives. For someone reading the book, what what are you hoping that they would walk away with after closing the final page? Yeah. There's two things that I have been praying for every person who who reads a book. The first one is I really want people to encounter God's love. I I hope and pray that in reading my story that they see his love throughout the story that they see and experience the love of a father that just does not give up on us and does not let us go no matter what is happening in our lives. And I hope they feel that and witness that and and receive that and, and encounter that. And my other prayer is that everyone who reads a book, um, that they would 
experience freedom, um, that they, they could, they would see that, um, Hey, God did it in my life. He could do it in your life too. God set me free from things and he changed my life. He really changed me so much. And I, I want there to be, um, a hope inside of people and, a an understanding like God can meet me where I am and he can set me free. And there isn't anything that's too big or too broken or too lost for him. That's incredible. And I'm really looking forward to reading this book. We're going to find a way uh, to give away some copies of this book for our listeners as well. Um, we're going to have a couple of those and there'll be details with that. But right. you can find it uh, on a wealth of different places or on a ton of different platforms. We're going to make sure to post all those links in our show notes. But Kim, as we close the conversation, one of the, th- one of the things that we love to do is to close off with good music. And um, could you give us a song that you would just love our listeners to hear? It can be from uh, a friend, uh, a worship song that you love, a song that you've written, anything like that that we could use to close this podcast. Uh, yeah, we we have a new song that we um, just put out last August that I... I love my friend Jordan wrote it um and it's and I got to sing it it's a really good song it's called Freedom Awesome and um it's just kind of been an anthem in my in my own life in my own walk right now so Is yeah. this a Jesus culture song? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Kim Walker Smith, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the podcast. So looking forward to your book and uh all the best. So this is Freedom by Jesus Culture on the Beyond the Music podcast. Yeah, what a great conversation that was. And I mentioned it uh, in the conversation that we're going to give away some books, some signed books from Kim Walker-Smith. So if you'd like to find out how to get your hands on an autographed copy of Kim Walker-Smith's newest book, make sure that you follow us on Instagram. We're going to have the link for you right in the show notes. Make sure that you do that right away. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the overflow btm the overflow btm is where you will find us so make sure you check that out until next time i'm your host josh mccabe thanks so much for tuning in to overflow beyond the music the podcast we will see you again soon hey!